Welcome to Building Insight, brought to you by the lawyers at Glayholt LLP. Building Insight is Canada's first podcast dedicated to construction law and dispute resolution. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Glayholt LLP podcast, Building Insight. I'm Pavel Levkovich. I'm an associate at Glayholt LLP. And I'm here today with our law clerk, Darina Mishiev. And we're going to discuss some key practice directions that you'll want to be aware of as a construction lawyer practicing in Toronto. So we're going to cover a few different topics today, including construction lien motions before a master, motions before judges, motions for leave to appeal to the divisional court, and motions to the court of appeal. So to start off, let's talk about motions before a construction lien master. So all motions, both long and short, need to be scheduled through the assistant trial coordinator for the construction lien masters. So before scheduling a long motion before construction lien master, the parties are required to participate in a telephone case conference with the master, who will be hearing the motion. The point is to determine the length of time that's required and to set a timetable for any steps on the motion. So this telephone conference is scheduled by the assistant trial coordinator. Now for motions in writing, for construction lien follower reference, these need to be filed with the assistant trial coordinator for the construction lien masters. And this is located on the sixth floor of 393 University Avenue in Toronto. The parties need to contact the trial coordinator prior to filing any motion materials in writing and confirm that the construction lien master will accept the materials in writing rather than by attendance. So ex parte motions, which are motions made without notice, and any motions on consent, are heard by the construction lien masters every day from 9.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. at 393 University Avenue. Pavle, you mentioned ex-party motions. What sort of motions are typically brought without notice before a construction lien master? So the most common ex-party motion is a motion to vacate a construction lien. Section 44 of the Construction Act permits a party to vacate a construction lien without notice. Now, this motion can be brought before the construction lien ex-party court in Toronto, regardless of where the property is located. However, it's important to note that Toronto matters are given priority. Now, with respect to motions to declare liens expired, this is another kind of ex parte motion that can be brought. So under Section 46, Sub 3 of the Construction Act, this motion may be brought without notice if an order as to costs in the action is not being sought. However, in practice, note that the lien masters in Toronto might require notice to be provided and often require that the motion is brought in in the jurisdiction where the action was commenced, which is the same place as where the property is located. So, Darina, what if we need to vacate a number of liens at the same time? Can this be done ex parte? The answer is yes. If you have more than three motions that you're intending to bring at the same time, you will have to make a special appointment through the assistant trial coordinator. You will have to send an email to the assistant trial coordinator listing all the matters, the purpose of the hearings, and total time required for all the motions. Special appointments before construction lien masters will be typically provided for the next day. And it is always strongly recommended that the parties ensure that they have all the materials and are ready to proceed with the motions before scheduling a special appointment. Now, when you say all the materials, what does that mean, Darina? 
Well, we're proceeding with a motion to vacate a construction lien, for example. We have to ensure that we have the lien bond, the letter of credit, or the certified check ready to be paid into court. We have to ensure that uh, we check the title, uh, that we have the affidavit ready, the notice of motion. But the most important part of it is, of course, the lien bond, the letter of credit, or the certified check, because without this, you will not be able to proceed with your motion and vacate a lien. So unless you have this in your hands from the client, I strongly recommend not to schedule a special appointment because they do not like when you cancel those and then having to reschedule them. Uh, not recommended. Okay, that's great to know. So, Pavle, what should we know about posting security to vacate a lien under the new act? So, under the old Construction Lien Act, the security was equal to 25% of the lien amount or up to a maximum of $50,000. Now, under the new Construction Act the maximum security has been increased to $200,000. So the best way to think about this is, if the lien amount under the new act is more than $200,000, you want to see whether the prime contract was entered into prior to July 1st or not. That way you know whether you're under the old act or the new act. The best way to do this is to get a copy of the contract or any other proof that establishes that date. And when you have a copy of that contract, you can include that as an exhibit in your affidavit in support of your lien. Again, the point of this is that if you want to post the minimal amount of security, it might be possible to do that under the old act. So knowing whether the contract was entered into before July 1st will help you get there. Now, Darina, do you have any practical tips for preparing motion materials to discharge a registered lien? Yes. Uh, one very important tip is to review title very carefully. Make sure to review the parcel register and identify any other liens that may have been registered on title of the premises. If there are other construction liens, it is expected of you to identify those liens in your supporting affidavit and demonstrate how those liens have been deleted. If there are multiple other liens, it is a good idea to prepare an Excel spreadsheet for the master listing those liens. If other liens remain on title of the property that haven't been vacated, you will need to be able to demonstrate that those liens remain active and that those liens claimants started their own actions and are not sheltering under your actions. Otherwise, you will need to obtain consents from those other lien claimants. So very important to review title to make sure that there are no other liens. And if there are other liens, Always include those in your affidavit and be able to demonstrate how those liens have been disposed of or if they haven't been disposed of, show that they started their own actions so that we don't have any sheltering issues. Pavle, what should we know about consent motions? Right, so now we're going from ex parte motions to consent motions. So any motion can be brought on consent, but some of the most common ones are dismissal motions and motions to discharge construction liens. Now, you might be used to having regular civil dismissal orders issued and entered at the civil counter at the courthouse. But this isn't the case with construction lien dismissal orders, which have to be issued by a construction lien master on a motion in person. So that's an important difference to keep in mind. So essentially, you can't just submit an order with a consent. You will have to prepare an entire motion record like you would for any other motion. Yes, that's right. The master that's hearing this motion wants to have all the information before him or her. So that's why even though it does take more time and effort to do that, at the end of the day, it's worth it because you know that the, uh, the motion has uh, truly been on consent. 
Great. And that applies to any construction lien matters, not only matters that are on reference, correct? Yes. Yes, it does. Great. Thank you. So one last thing to note about motions before masters is that there's been a recent change to the way that masters are now addressed. Masters should now be addressed as your honor rather than master when, when you're making oral submissions. Now, this is just in the oral submissions. So the draft order and any other references in writing will still, of course, say master and not justice because justice is for uh, justices of the Superior Court of Justice. And this new way of addressing masters, as your honor, applies province-wide. So it applies to all masters and not just construction lien masters. Now, moving away from motions before construction lien masters, let's look at motions before a judge. Darina, what practice directions should we know about for motions before judges in Toronto? Well, one new practice direction that came into effect not too long ago is that if you have a long motion before a judge in Toronto, you are now required to file electronic copies of your motion materials on a USB stick in addition to paper copies. The USB must include a Word and a PDF version of the motion materials, as well as the, the factum if uh, one is required. And I'm always being asked, PDF and Word, are you sure it's not just PDF? And the answer is yes, it's both Word and PDF. I understand that often parties are unable to submit everything in Word because of the exhibits to the affidavits and other materials that are submitted as part of your motion record, but submit in Word whatever can be submitted in Word. So your notice of motion, your supporting affidavit, and anything else that you can submit in Word format uh, will be great. The naming convention of the electronic documents can be found on the Superior Court of Justice website under Practice and Procedure and will also be made available on our website. Another important practice direction to be aware of is that Toronto Court now also requires that parties file chronology of events and compendium on all long motions for summary judgment before uh, a judge in Toronto. And this is also something that I had to look into because when this practice direction came out and we were supposed to file a compendium and chronology of events, parties have asked themselves, what is chronology of events? What is it exactly that we are filing here? And so I was able to determine that chronology of events is essentially a chronology that shows that all the steps that needed to comply with for the motions have been complied with. So essentially... You would take your timetable that you prepared or that was ordered by the judge for that summary judgment motion, and you will show the chronology of all the events that needed to take place for this motion to happen. So any cross-examinations, any uh, filings or any services of any documents, and you will show that all those steps have been complied with. So this is your chronology of events. So, Darina, the chronology then is more a chronology of the steps in the action. It's not really a chronology of the history of the project. Is that right? That is correct. So, even more specific to the motion itself. So, certain counsel like to include chronology of all the events that took place for the entire action, starting from the statement of claim, which is not always necessary. What we need to provide is chronology of events specific to this motion. So I would start, for example, from the attendance at the civil practice court, and then anything else that happened subsequent to this up to the hearing date of the motion. That's very helpful to know. Darina, uh, what about uh, factums? 
FACTA are required for all long civil motions and are encouraged for all other motions unless otherwise directed by a judge. In Toronto region, no FACTA may exceed 30 pages in length unless otherwise uh, leave is granted. It is important to note that the requirements are different for jurisdictions outside of Toronto. For example, Central East region allows a maximum of 25 pages, and all other regions do not allow that factum exceeds 20 pages in length. So there's actually case law out there on this topic where a factor was permitted to be longer or ordered to be shorter. So it's very important to review those practice directions and ensure that you file a factum that is appropriate in length to that specific jurisdiction. Yeah, that's important to know. And of course, with the FACTA come the books of authorities. So judges of the Superior Court of Justice, the Divisional Court and the Court of Appeal are all provided with a list of often cited cases. So these are helpful because it means that if your case is on the list, you don't need to provide the full case in your book of authorities. Now, if you do want to cite to specific paragraphs in the case, especially in your oral submissions, you do need to provide those extracts because that, of course, helps the judges pinpoint what you're referring to because, of course, the cases themselves can sometimes be quite long. Now, the list of often cited cases can be found on the Superior Court's website under Practice and Procedure. Now, Darina, what about gowning? When should counsel gown for motions? Oh, that question comes up all the time. Should I gown? Should I not gown? Where am I going? Who am I appearing before? So, counsel are required to gown for all trials, motions, and appeals before a presiding judge in the Ontario Superior Court of Justice. Counsel are not required to gown for appearances before masters or judges and deputy judges of the small claims court. Counsel that are appearing before a superior court of justice on an assignment court, case conference, settlement conference, trial management conference also do not need to gown. So that's about it for gowning. Also important to know that pregnant counsel may adjust their uh, gowning as they seem fit, uh, depending on what they feel comfortable in. So, Pavel, what should we know about motions for leave to appeal uh, to the divisional court? So, in fact, the new Construction Act has been amended to allow appeals from interlocutory orders. So, let's back up a second. The old Construction Lien Act didn't allow for appeals from interlocutory orders. Now, under the new Act, these appeals can be brought to the divisional court, but you do need leave. So, as of July 1st, 2018, Leave to appeal to the divisional court for interlocutory orders are to be brought in writing and obtained from a panel of three divisional court judges, rather than a single judge. Now, these motions for leave to appeal have to be filed at the divisional court office in Toronto. What kind of materials do you need? Well, you need three printed copies of the motion record, the factum, and the transcripts, if any. It's also mandatory to include a copy of the signed and entered order from which leave to appeal is sought. Now, filing materials should be done in electronic format. I mean, this is strongly encouraged, so that way the court will have both the hard copies and the electronic copies going forward. And Pavle, I'm just going to add one more thing to it. Uh, Also, a fairly new practice direction that came into effect on motions for leave to appeal to the divisional court in writing. 
costs uh, outlines have to be filed also as part of the motion record. And parties are often asking, well, our motion hasn't been heard yet. Why are we already filing our costs outlines? Well, the reason is because the motion is heard in writing. We won't have a chance to present our case before the judges. And so they want to see the costs outline before them at the time they're reviewing the motion and uh, grant whatever costs need to be awarded at the same time as well. That makes a lot of sense. And speaking of uh, specific practice directions, what about outside of Toronto? Are there any practice directions outside of Toronto that are interesting? Uh, as a matter of fact, yes. Uh, there are quite a few interesting practice directions that parties uh, need to be aware of. And again, I always strongly encourage that parties review practice directions specific to the region before attending any courthouse or scheduling any motion. But some of the interesting ones are, for example, New Market Court requires to file a notice of motion within 10 days after the motion is booked. That is, again, to eliminate placeholder motions. So once your motion is booked, you will need to file your notice of motion and pay your motion fees. Well, if it's a construction lien action, you don't have to pay motion fees. But for all other regular civil actions, you will have to file your notice of motion and Pay your motion fees in order to secure that motion date. If you do not, your motion will be struck off the list. So this is very important to be aware of. In Milton, Owen Sound, and Walkerton, all long motions must be confirmed no later than three weeks prior to the date of the motion. Also, materials must be filed by the moving party by that date as well. So three weeks before the hearing of the motion, make sure to diarize those dates when you schedule a motion that you need to confirm your motion three weeks before and you have to file your motion materials three weeks before and they're very strict about those things, they will strike your motion off the list. So please ensure that you always follow those uh, deadlines. And this is Milton, Owen, Sound, and Walkerton. That is right. right. That is correct. Uh, Another important practice direction is in Central West region, being uh, Brampton and Guelph, which are the most common jurisdictions that uh, applied in this region, Confirmation notices for long motion must be received five business days before the matter is to proceed. So not three business days before, like in all other jurisdictions and all other motions, but five business days. And this is something that they're very strict about and they will not hear your motion if you haven't confirmed it. Again, it's long motions only. Short motions can be confirmed three days before, but long motions have to be confirmed five business days before the hearing. Another important practice direction, although not outside of Toronto, it's here in Toronto, but it's in Court of Appeal. Wednesdays and Thursdays are dedicated to motions brought by self-represented parties. And on those days, self-represented parties receive priority. So when parties are represented by lawyers, they are strongly encouraged to schedule their motions on any other days of the week, if possible, to avoid any delays in having their motion heard. If a party does not file a factum on a motion, also another practice direction from the Court of Appeal, the party will be limited to 15 minutes of oral argument at the hearing of the motion. So also very important to note, if your oral argument is expected to be longer than 15 minutes, you do need to file a factum. And if you don't have a factum, after 15 minutes, you will be cut off. So very important. Another uh, important practice direction is uh, electronically issued documents. So as you are aware, as of October 2017, uh, Ontario launched this new pilot where we can issue now documents electronically. And If you issued your statement of claim electronically, it is important to provide a copy to your process server when you're filing anything subsequent with the court after the issuance of the statement of claim. So 
If you issue a statement of claim electronically, when your process server is attending to file something afterwards, give them a copy of the statement of claim for the court file. They will not print a copy at the court and uh, they will require that a copy be filed with all the other documents so they can start a hard copy of the file at uh, 393 University. So we're, we're almost there in terms of electronic filing. Right? Almost, almost. Almost there, yes. Uh, but we still need to print documents. It's very effective in terms of uh, saving time and saving costs. You can do it now from your office. It's extremely convenient. But yes, we still need to provide those printed copies. And not just of the statement of claim. Also, if you file the defense electronically, make sure that when you're attending after that and filing something with the court, bring a copy of that notice of intent or statement of defense because they'll ask for it as well. And I remember you told me something, Darina, about the way the materials have to be formatted when you're filing them electronically. Yes, yes, definitely. Very important to note that when you are issuing a statement of claim electronically, the court file number will appear at the top right corner of every page. And it is important that you put your page numbers at the center bottom of each page of your statement of claim because that court file number that will appear at the top right corner is probably going to block your page numbers. So very important, number your pages at the center bottom of your pages. Uh, also very important to leave enough space for the court seal on your statement of claim. So the top left corner of your statement of claim, I would always recommend to lower the text a little bit to allow enough space for the court seal and the date of the issuance of the statement of claim. That's great to know. And I'm sure that after a couple of tries, people will get the hang of it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And, and another important, actually, talking about Construction Act, make sure to include the Construction Act rather than the Construction Lien Act. I know some people think that if their action was commenced under the Construction Lien Act, it is, uh, it is proper to say Construction Lien Act in the style of cause. However, since uh, the new act came into effect, the masters and court staff prefer that you say the Construction Act in your style of cause rather than the Construction Lien Act. That makes sense. And lots of changes then uh, with the new Construction Act. And we've talked about practice directions today. So that wraps it up for the podcast on practice directions. And we'll post the contact information for the assistant trial coordinator and all the practice directions that we've referenced in today's podcast on our website at www.glayholt.com. If you have any questions, please send those to info at Thanks very much from me and Arena. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit glayholt.com for more information. If you have any questions, email us at info at We look forward to having you join us again.